Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I really thank you to the praise team and the media. A very what an awesome song service this morning, and you folks were participating. It was a praise to the Lord corporately. We weren't watching; we were participating, and I appreciate that so much. And the Spirit of the Lord is here. Amen. Not just words. That's truth. It's fact. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Amen. Amen. So things can change. Things can change right now. Things can change. If you're experiencing a, a, a season of low, if you're in the valley, it can change. If you're on the mountaintop right now, that can change too. But all for the glory of God. Amen. All for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. To you be the glory, God. Father, we honor you. This is about you, Lord. This is all about you. This is, this is people gathered in the name of Jesus who love you, Jesus. And some of us are so amazed that the God that is so awesome, the God that clothes himself in an approachable light, seeks relationship with us. So, Lord, come near. As we draw near to you, Lord, please come near. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, uh, I'm just overwhelmed in a moment. Uh, I, I, I really believe that someone has been touched. That's just not me talking. I really believe that someone has been healed somehow, some way. Because of the praise and the worship and the adoration that went up before God. I believe it. And I hope that if it's you, you will, listen, you will give testimony of what the Lord has done. Amen? And it doesn't matter if it's a spiritual healing as it relates to, and what I mean by that is sometimes we're looking for healing, especially in the charismatic, the, the Pentecostal realm. If we're not seeing just people jump up and down and this amazing uh, supernatural physical healing, it, it doesn't, no, no, no. Yes, and amen to that. Yes, hallelujah, and amen. We want that. We, God promises that he will do that. He's done it before. He'll do it again. But now I'm talking about something spiritual, something down on the inside. Someone has been touched by God. And you're going to leave here, my brother, my sister, different than when you came. I believe it. 100%. Amen? Sound mind. Sound mind. Someone, you know, you've been troubled. There's things that are happening, going on around you. Uh, you're not sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He hasn't given... Listen, you have no doubt. Power, love, and a sound mind. That's yours this morning in Jesus' name. Not because I say so, but because He says so. In Jesus' name. Amen. You just have to walk in faith. Amen? Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is, God is moving. God is moving. Let's let Him move. Let's be... Let's Let's let him move. Hallelujah to you, my King. I praise you, Lord Jesus. Father, we love you. Father, thank you for all that you've done and all that you're about to do. Hallelujah. Amen. Just overwhelmed. Can anyone, can anyone remember, if I, last week I said if I had to uh, name this or title this message, can anybody remember what that would have been? Does anybody remember the message? <laughs> I, I, I hear bits and pieces. Amen. 
hallelujah, someone listened or took notes. Either way, I'm, <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. I'm joyed, joyful. So it was. It was about culture, comfort, and the comforter. My brothers and sisters, we're living in such a day and age, and, and you, hear me, you hear me say this just repeatedly from this pulpit and, and then individually and, and even on Wednesdays. Man, I'm so um, motivated, so moved, so... Uh, intense about what our young people are being taught and I see in in uh, and you could see it too I mean I've seen a lot of churches in our areas they're either the big mega churches where the young people are going because there's a lot of music and lights and all this other stuff not, not all all but you know forgive me now I'm speaking in generalities I understand but then there's the older traditional churches where you know quite frankly uh, the congregation is aging out a little bit you know? I'm so thankful to God that we have a, a mix in here but my brothers and my sisters, the culture has been absorbed into the church. The church is not affecting the culture. I was going to read to you something that Finney wrote in the 1800s. Bless you, sister. I, I, was, I was reading something that, fin that Finney wrote in, in the 1800s. And basically what he said was, when the culture... I'm just going to sum it up in, the, in a couple of words. He says, basically, when society and the culture fails, it's the fault of the pulpits. It's because the truth wasn't preached, it wasn't communicated, it wasn't lived out. See, because in my lifetime as it relates to um, things that I knew of before I came to the Lord, before I actually had a relationship with the Lord, there were always the holy rollers and there, you know, that kind of thing. And I was raised in a, in a Catholic home, quote unquote, uh, because we weren't even good Catholics, to be honest with you. But I, I, I was raised that way. So, so my brothers and sisters, so my, my interpretation or my... Oh, what's your, my impression of, you know, the church or the word was, you know, you had the fire and brimstone guys and then you had the, you know, and then I, I was a child of the 70s, so the, part of that Jesus love and the hippies and all that other stuff, which, you know, I, I saw a little bit of all of it, right? But then when I became born again and really started digging into this word, my brothers and my sisters, man, it's all about love. It's not about fire and brimstone, although there is fire and brimstone. Yes. It's all of the above. But what we need to do, what, what we have failed to do, in my opinion, uh, is to go ahead and somehow make this gospel, which is all of the above, relatable to all generations, relatable to the younger, younger generation, or even in some cases, you know, we'll see the older generation be turned off by certain things that we are trying to bring in so that we can relate to the younger people. Okay? I want to say something to you this morning, and I hope you take it the right way. Because I don't think that, because um, I think people, I've been criticized like you have, we all are criticized, but, uh, you know, when I speak like I'm going to speak, it sounds like I'm against big churches and all this other stuff. It's, it's not that, it's not that at all. In fact, uh, my home church, which I consider my home church, is a big church. A little bit more traditional, but it's a big church. And they're still growing, by the way. Anyway, having said that, those songs that we sang this morning, awesome songs. Old songs older. We sang those when we were back in the, on 5th Street or whatever. We, those are old songs. But did you hear how powerful and did you, and I heard something this morning. I heard the, the praise team, obviously, and thank you praise team, but I heard the congregation. And I heard people lifting up Jesus, singing to God. See, not just singing about God and not just singing about how I feel about God. Singing to God. Hallelujah. 
He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords, regardless of how I feel. And you know what? When I lift him up, when I acknowledge that you are God, I can't help but to be lifted up myself. Hallelujah. I don't know why I'm saying all this. I, I guess because we're, the culture has just changed so much so that we've now taught our children something else. And believe me, the, the music and, and all of the things that, are, that happen in the modern era, even in some of the bigger churches or whatever it is, I, I love a lot of it. I love a lot of the music. Except that rap stuff. I can't say rap music. I should... Hallelujah. No, but, but, but you understand now, look. Now, I understand that the young people, there's different things. But my brothers and sisters, what, needs to, what has to happen, what must happen, is there has to be a communication to all ages, to all races, to all nations. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And regardless of how I feel, regardless of where I am in my walk, He is Lord of all. He is King. He is God. And I am to worship and adore Him. Period. That's it. And it doesn't matter how I feel. And it doesn't really matter what I want. Because He's already covered all of that for me and with me. He told me how much He loves me by stretching out His arms, taking a beating that no one could have ever taken, and spilling all of His blood that I may have oneness. That I may be reconciled back to God. Hallelujah. So, how could I not care about what thus saith the Lord? Amen. He's already proven how He loves me. He already has shown me what genuine love looks like. So how could I do it any other way? Amen. Are you with me? You. Hallelujah. So, yeah, do I need to appeal to the culture? I'm going to just begin in some of the scriptures. We began last week in 2 Thessalonians, and we highlighted just a couple of script, uh, uh, passages, a couple of verses. I read a long passage, but we're going to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Now listen, I hope that you all, again, have paper Bibles. If you have them with you, praise the Lord. If you don't, if you have them at home, make sure that you have them. Continue to buy Bibles and, and give them to your kids, your grandkids, nieces, nephews, because if we're relying on electronics, it's going to be, it's going to be manipulated. It's, it's not going to be the truth anymore. So please do that. And in the meantime, I'm going to fire, fire away through some scriptures. And um, hopefully you can write them down and look them up later if you have to. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly. And that love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. So my brothers and sisters, last week when we started talking about this, we're talking about now church culture. You see the apostle by the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church. And, and look at what the, the standout things he's saying. Your faith is growing exceedingly. Remember that. Remember from last week we talked about that. And even before that. And remember the sermons. There were at least a couple of sermons we're talking about. Are you growing? You need to check yourself. Are you growing spiritually? Amen? And, not, and, and by the truth, right? Not just because Pastor Tony's preaching it, but are you growing spiritually? But look what it says, that the love of everyone of you all abounds toward each other. You love each other. See, there's church culture. Look at what he's boasting about. He's boasting about their spiritual growth. He's boasting about the love that they have one for another. Amen? Okay, and look at this. And their patience. Did you see that? Look, your patience and faith right in the middle of persecutions and troubles. What does church culture look like? 
it looks like right, right when you're in the middle of it, right when you're in the middle of it, you have patience and faith right in the middle of it. Amen? Amen. And I know everybody in this room, just like me, is succeeding at that all the time. Amen. So now watch. Watch. So now, again, we defined it last week, but I'm going to put it up on the board. Look at culture with me. This is just a simple uh, definition of culture. The way of life of a particular people, especially shown in their ordinary behavior and habits, their attitudes toward each other, and their moral and religious beliefs. So that's kind of a quick, you know, if you will, uh, definition of the word culture. So now when we're talking church culture, that's, it, it's, in, it's, it's encapsulated in that. That's what we're talking about. How we feel about one another, our habits, morals, how we guide our lives. Amen? Amen. All right. So now we ended last week's message with the Colossians if, verse, if you will. It's Colossians chapter 2. And we have a couple of verses there. Colossians 2, beginning in verse 6. I'll give you a moment. <laughs> I listen. Colossians 2, 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. As you've received Him, so now live your life in Him. Walk your life out in Him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Again, this speaks to the culture of the world, the culture of your surroundings, your environmental culture. And I, I, when I was in high school, my senior year, I had a, a, a class that was called Contemporary, the Evolution of Contemporary uh, American Culture, ECAC we called it. It was the Evolution of Contemporary uh, the contemporary American culture. I love that class because you could throw just a bunch of baloney out there and you could look like a genius. Yeah, but I think this and I feel that. And, and I remember one thing. I was told uh, uh, by the teacher um, that I, as, a, as, as a young man, I had rights. And, you know, uh, when I went to the house, I mean, any, even in my home, I had rights. And there were certain things that related to, you know, you know, if my parents were abusive, like verbal abuse and all this other stuff. Well, I wasn't very... Uh, I don't know, wise. I went home and I told my father what the teacher taught me. Uh, dad didn't, I uh, never take that class ECAC. I'm just telling you. Get dad, dad, dad wasn't in total agreement with that. He said, listen here. <laughs> yeah, there's one person in this house that rules and that'd be me. <laughs> we weren't born again then, but he said, and that'd be me. So let's try some of that of what you're talking about. <laughs> but my brothers and sisters, but look, see what it says, evolution of contemporary American culture. And I think back on that class. Now, I'm not going to stand here and, and you know, it's, it's fun and uh, we're having a little bit of fun and I, I can say some of the stuff was just totally ridiculous and totally totally, you know, anti-God, anti-Bible. No question about that. Some of it was valuable. I mean, there was some of it, I mean, that we, sh we all as human beings can agree to this, that all human beings are made in God's image. Amen. Therefore, there's value attached to every human being. Amen. Come on. Amen. All right? And, and that goes for the unborn as well. The ones in the womb, God knew them before they were there. Okay? So that's why... Uh, we have to stand up for them. We have to take the stand and we have to vote properly. Oh, there he went. He just made it political. No, I didn't. If you're a Christian then you, and you're going to vote, then you better use your vote according to your Christian worldview because if you're not, 
you're going to have to answer for that as well. Okay, so that was just a little bit aside. That also is a cultural issue. It speaks directly to cultural issues. What do we believe in the culture? In the contemporary American culture, it's okay to kill babies. It is. And everybody thinks that because Roe v. Wade was turned aside that that made it illegal. No, it didn't. That all that did was leave it up to states. States get to decide. Local municipalities, locals get to decide how they want their things run in their area. I'm not going to stay here long, but I'm just saying to you, my brothers and sisters, that's why if you look at what it says in Colossians, right? Uh, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. And see, our young people have been told so many things, even as I was. Now listen, when I was being taught that stuff, that was a few years ago. That was a lot of years ago, and it was already getting bad then. That was in the 70s, and I was being taught things uh, as it relates to the culture that were totally anti-God, anti-Bible. Okay, so now, look at where we are. Right? Where that's commonplace now. And now, you look at where we are as it relates to just um, gender and and sexuality and things that are done. And, And again, these are easy targets for Christians, for those of us who are born again. And we could just point fingers and say, oh, how rotten that is. And, you know, they're promiscuous and they're having sex out of wedlock. And, you know, they're homosexual and they're this and that. Real easy to point fingers at, right? But my brothers and sisters, that's, that's easy stuff. What about the stuff that is kind of like, well, I don't know, maybe, uh, you know, is it okay to, to, to drink? And, you know, is it okay to, you know, it, it, come, you know, some of that stuff that isn't just blatant right in your face stuff. What about that stuff where we're mixing a little bit of truth with something that, I, me and Michelle were, um, I can't remember, we were watching a, a TV show, I can't remember what it was, but the person was trying to say something from the scripture and they said, um, Cleanliness is next to godliness. No! Immediately I talk, no, that's not true. That's not in the scripture. It doesn't say cleanliness. Well, no, actually it was this. I forgot. It was this. God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. And that's what this person quoted from the Bible. God helps, see, we know that God helps those who help themselves. No, it doesn't say that in the Bible. Now, God says a lot of things, like if you don't work, you don't eat. God says a lot, you know, there are some things that we, God says, if you, if, uh, a pastor just told me recently, there are like a, over a thousand ifs in the Bible. So there are some conditions as human beings that we need to meet, right? Okay, so I'm not going to shy away from that, but my brothers and my sisters, the whole point of what I just said is there are so many things that are interjected, so many things that are said. We got to be careful because it's not as obvious as, you know, God made two genders and now we're celebrating how many? Uh, whatever it is, I mean, you know, and, and my brother and sister, it's, it's just crazy, right? God made marriage between a man and a woman. Okay, it's obvious. It's just plain. It's, it just says it, period. That's it. But, nope, it's not that way in the coast. So now when we present, young people are taught that those of us who still believe that way have issues. We have issues. Okay, so now that's why I'm saying, so now the culture, we have to be, the culture, we got we to gotta be Jesus culture, man. We got we to gotta be Jesus, we have to, so I'm going to, I'm going to read to you out of Titus. It's a pretty long passage, just stay with me, because this is just basically a sampling, okay? All right, in Titus, remember, this is the apostle sending a letter to a pastor. So 
The apostle, by the Holy Spirit, is speaking to a pastor. Titus 2, beginning in verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Speak the things that are, is right teaching. Teach the people well. Speak the things that are good for, for good teaching. That the older man may be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women, likewise, that they should be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Now, let me pause here for a second, okay? Because I know, and, and listen, if you want to get mad at me because you think that I'm preaching at you, take it up with God because I have no one in mind when I'm saying all of these things. So take it up with God. If you want to write to me or you want, I'm not going to read it. I'm just telling you. And if you want to stop coming to church, that's between you and God. Please, hear my heart. So now look, if there's a debate over, you know, people read this, well, see, see, Tony, it says not much wine, so drinking's okay. Are you, if, if you're trying to split hairs like that, you need to get alone in your prayer closet. If you're trying to justify drinking wine, or drink, strong, wine is my strong drink is a brawler. I mean, it says all of these things in the scripture, right? And it says to us that we should be being filled with the Holy Spirit right? Don't get drunk and all this other stuff. It's fine. If you drink wine, I'm not saying if you drink wine, you're going to hell. But here's what I know. If you're looking for those scriptures and scriptures like this to justify and to pull out so that you could justify going out with your friends or doing those things or attending certain parties, then you have another issue. And it's more than just about drinking wine. Okay? If you have, um, if, if you're responsible for young people, if you're responsible for any people, then you owe it to yourself to investigate, really, do I need to be doing this? What message am I sending? Right? Come on. Amen. And how about this? <laughs> how do you know that you don't have a propensity for alcoholism that's not handed down? How do you know? Boy, it's pretty quiet. And see, so I don't want, why would I want to tempt that? Why would I want to do that? Now look, I'm, again, I'm, so I'm speaking church culture now. Because I've heard of, but this is true. What I'm going to tell you is true. A long time ago, a pastor friend of mine, uh, who also um, pastors a small church, gave me a book to read, and it was about these uh, folks that are starting these new churches and what their model was and what they were like. And their whole deal was, you know, it, it, not necessarily having the big churches and all that, but going and starting the church, kind of going out among them. And these, these folks literally met in bars. No, I'm serious. Okay, so now watch. Okay, well, maybe I need to go into a bar and, and, and evangelize and all. Now, they were holding meetings in bars. Okay. Okay. No, beyond that, they were also having gatherings where they were making their own beer. So now, this is a church gathering. So we're talking about church culture. Think about this. I'm trying to teach young people, don't do that. You know, wait until you get old enough to make some decisions. Don't, have, don't let peer pressure or the thing that, well, you're cool if you're, if you're doing these things. You're, it's cool to do these things. And you're, and you're doing it basically out of peer pressure. And you're doing some things. And you're doing it at such an early age when your brain is still developing. And you're, so, so now, here I am as an adult. Well, see, they're, no, but they're adults. But what are the kids seeing? Well, is it better? Don't you drink if you got... No, that, I'm not saying that either. I'm not saying that either. But what I'm saying, my brothers and sisters, listen, we, 
we, if we're looking for excuses to go ahead and partake of things of the world or to look a little bit like the world and we're looking for that kind of comfort, oh, you don't know, Ty, I just need to just get a little bit of stress relief. And, and listen, you have hugged people in church and smelled marijuana on them. Somebody has. I know I have. You can't stop at a stoplight anymore and not smell pot. Come on. I've had people in this church literally, I mean, cry at the altar, got saved, and really wanted their lives turned around, but then went back into the culture, and they're no longer living on the planet right now because of that culture. So why do I want to dabble and look for comfort, get relief, and all of that? See, my brothers and sisters, now that we're kind of breaking into the comfort spot. See, I've got this church culture thing. You know, uh, admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Verse 5, to, dis- to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So now look, see I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Any mom, any mother, any homemaker who uh, does not have a job outside the house, I mean, in our culture, you've been made to feel like you're not reaching your full potential. I want to tell you something. I told you before, I'm going to tell you again. My wife, I give her all the credit in the world because when the kids were young and she tried to work part-time and I just couldn't keep care of those kids. I told you the story last week. I was sleeping and my son was eating paper and I, couldn't, I just couldn't do it. So she stayed home until the kids... And man, I want to tell you something. We grinded it out. She did without. She watched her friends. She watched her sisters do some things that we couldn't do. Come on! That's a chaste woman. That's a discreet woman. That's, that's the Proverbs woman right there. And see, my brothers and sisters, it takes more young, young women, medium-aged women, older women. If, if don't, man, if you don't work outside the home and your family's doing it without, but you are raising those babies and you're keeping that home, man, my wife kept, kept the home all strung together. I couldn't even tell you, and I still can't, I can't tell you how much my paycheck is. I don't get paid from this church, by the way. I can't tell you how much my paycheck is from that job that I have. I can't tell you. The first thing that she says whenever I start a job is, do they have direct deposit? (laughs) And immediately, I, I can't tell you how much my checks are. I don't have to worry about paying any bills. And now she's working full-time. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. I I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but my brothers and my sisters, that's what our young ladies are being told. Now, is it wrong for a young lady to have a job outside the house for a young lady to seek a career? No, it's not wrong. But it's her choice. She She should be allowed to choose. And she shouldn't feel culture, I mean pressure from the culture to only go and do those things and made to feel bad like she's incomplete or like she's not really important if she's taking care of her house. That's a harder job than any of it. I'm just telling you. Amen? Amen. Alright. Exhort. Now watch. I I said something there. I'm I'm just going to skip over because I don't want to in verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. That's that woman that's leading such a, an example, a godly woman. Verse 9, exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be pleasing in all things, not to answer back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Pause here. Okay, we do know that the, when this was written, what that means. 
right? Okay, this in no way, in no way does this justify slavery in any shape, way, shape, or form. Now, in the past, were there people that looked at that, took it out of context, and tried to use that? Absolutely. Absolutely. They were wrong. That's not what that says. That was a socioeconomic system. That, that, that's how some things were done. And it wasn't, listen, it didn't necessarily have to do with one race. It had to do with, I don't have land. I need to eat and feed my family. So I'm going to occupy this person's land. I'm going to do the work for them so that I could feed my family and have a, a room and board. Now, I work for somebody outside this church. I work for somebody. And I am so glad that, and I've said this several times, I am so glad that they are rich. Because they bought the place that I work right now. They're operating the place that I work right now. And because they have done that, I get a job and I have a paycheck. And hallelujah, praise the Lord, my grandkids get presents. <laughs> Come on. Right? So, so thankful. Now, so now when I read this, this isn't talking to a slave race of people. This is talking to people who have to work for somebody else. I'm working for somebody else. There should be a degree of loyalty there. I should work hard for them. They hired me in good faith and in good conscience to do a job, and now it's up to me to be loyal, to be faithful, and to do the job that they hired me to do and not steal from them. That means even my own time. Not steal from them, not do anything. This is church culture. This is Jesus culture. See, we talk about Jesus. You've heard me say this. Jesus was a 33-year-old savior, preacher, you know, and, and we, what would Jesus do? Remember how when that was popular, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, we know what Jesus would do. He was God in the flesh. But there are many of us in this room that are not 33-year-old preachers. There are many in this room who are married. He was never married. There are many in this room who are female. He wasn't female. So our situation in life is different. Our situation in the culture, in society, may be a little bit different. But it, we could still live out the Jesus culture, and this is part of how it's teaching us to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for, for, the, for the epistles. All right? Gives us warnings and tells us what the Jesus culture, what the church culture should look like. Amen. I'm going to skip over the rest of it. You guys, you, you kind of get the... Uh, Get the flavor, right? So you could read, we could read Timothy. Timothy says a lot of the same thing. We have the apostle uh, by the Holy Spirit speaking to that young pastor and telling him uh, you know, what it should look like in the church. We have also, my brothers and sisters, those of us who are together on Wednesdays, we're still studying uh, 1 Corinthians and probably go to 2 Corinthians afterwards. And, and that is the apostle speaking by the Holy Spirit, directing uh, instruction and directing rebuke to the church. Amen? This is how church culture should look. You're doing it wrong. This is what it should look like. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. So now I want to get to the, to the comfort part a little bit more. I thought somebody would say, thank God. I want to get to the comfort part a little bit more. I, I just want to start here though. Luke, not that one, the one that wrote. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 51, this is Jesus speaking. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. And he says this in the synoptics. My brothers and my sisters, you know, comfort and how he's saying, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring division. Right? So what, he, what is, and we know that he's, and most of us in this room, and if you're not, just listen, we know that he's the Prince of Peace. 
right? He's the mighty God, everlasting Father, amen? We know that he came, and we'll cover it in scripture here in a minute, but we know that he came to reconcile us back to God, to bring peace, right? Remember what the angels, the angels announced when he was born, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, right? Did that mean there was not, from that point forward, there would never be another war on earth? No, he's saying peace between God and man now, amen? Hallelujah. But now, so now he's, he's speaking about something else. And we get a little bit of a dab when he says, I tell you that not all, not all, but rather there will be division. For from now on, five and one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. So he's not talking about, again, us and God, wars on earth. He's talking now about culture. He's talking now about what it looks like, and even in our own homes. Now, those of us who have teenagers, and have had teenagers, we understand that a little bit. And it's not, and I don't mean, so those of you who are teenagers in this room, I am not criticizing you at all. Please, hear my heart. Hear my heart. Kaysen, <laughs> hang with me, brother. <laughs> hang with me. So I'm not, I'm not criticizing you at all. But when you get to be a certain age and you're starting to achieve uh, manhood or womanhood and you start want to experience, and you should start experiencing some things on your own, but it's a little bit difficult because you're still living in your mom's house and your dad's house and there's still the authority over you. And so there's, oh, there's that friction. So does this mean that? Sure, it could mean that. But my brothers and sisters, this is not just that. See, my brothers and my sisters, this is, this, is, this is speaking of something totally different. It could be it, something in addition to, let's say that. Because I've said to you before, and I'll say it again, and I'll keep on saying it, because our young people are being told so many different things that are not true, and they're told that what we believe and how we believe is wrong. But I will tell you that when I was a young person, even growing up in a non-born-again home, same thing. We were, t you know, we were taught the, our young, the older folks, they're just a little older, they're old-fashioned, those old traditions, they're fading away, and, you know, the new thing, we know more, we're better. Mm. And now that I've gotten older, I know that that's not true at all. And as it relates to the Word of God and the wisdom of God, it's never true. <clears throat> God's Word never changes. The truth is always the truth. God has known everything from the beginning and He knows everything through the end. God, it, it's never going to change. Amen? Amen? Solomon, who struggled in his life, didn't he? Come on, he struggled. He said in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. He said it. There's nothing new under the sun. So we have these, these cultural differences and, and it divides families. And in some cases, my brothers and sisters, you know, it divides husbands and wives. You know, it, it divides, you know, I, I said a moment ago, you know, adolescents uh, with their moms and dads or whatever. It could be cousins and aunts. And, but there are a lot of folks in my own family that really don't have, want to have a whole lot to do with me. And, and I think some of you have that same problem. Amen. Now, I'd like to think it's because I'm born again and I follow God, but who knows? Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. See, because sometimes, my brothers and sisters, we can't just say, you know, this person is against me because I'm a born-again Christian. Sometimes you're just a jerk. <laughs> listen. Listen. No, no, no. Listen. I'm, I, I, I said that kind of like... I, I, I probably shouldn't have said it quite that way. Uh, maybe I should have said it a little bit nicer. But sometimes that's the case. And, and so, my brothers and sisters, remember what it says in the Scripture. It, what it says in the Scripture is that you and I, we're responsible to live peaceably with 
all men, with all people, with, with guiltless, according to our own power. We're supposed to do everything in our power to live peaceably with all men. As a born-again believer, that's you and me. That's Jesus' culture. Amen? So it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter how much you hate me. It doesn't matter how much you hate God or perceive to hate God. It does, none of that stuff matters. My, what the scripture informs me is that it's my responsibility to do everything that I can to live peaceably with you. And if I can't, then I'm just going to kind of go over here for, for, for a bit. Now watch. We've had this discussion so many times in this church. Well, I have a family member, and you know, they say this, they say that. Listen, if, if, if it's just because they say this, they say that, man, grow a spine. Get spiritual. You know? Show them love, even when they're not love, lovable. Right? That's, that's what we do. That, that's part of it. You know what? If they don't want to hear what you have to say, that's fine. They're seeing what you're doing. Preach the gospel. Sometimes use words. And if you're living it consistently, I'm going to guarantee you somewhere along the line, if not them, someone is going to ask you and you're going to have to give a reason for that hope that's in you. Amen? Amen? That's the way it works. Hallelujah. I'm going to read to you from Romans now. Romans 5, 1 through 3. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice, listen, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So, so, so watch, in the culture, see, it, we might not be at peace. People might have, we're, we're at enmity with people. Not because we want to be, because as far as we're concerned, we're trying to be peaceable without compromising. Now we're talking a problem. Now, I don't want confrontation, so I'm going to compromise. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say the truth. No, 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 no. That's not what that means. That's not what it says. You could tell the truth in love. Yeah, but they're not going to, they're not going to take it that way. That's up to them. Okay, so now watch. I, I got to live at peace. But we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. This is the peace that we have. This is part of the Christian culture. This is the Jesus culture. We're at peace with God now. And we have grace. We have His grace. Unmerited favor, yes, but well, more, more than that. You know what it is. Philippians, we have more than that. We have more than just His, um, the, that this favor of God, which, you know, now God, I'll go to the word of faith. Yeah, I could just name it and claim it. No, that's silly. That's not, that's false doctrine. No, we have grace. Grace, God in us. God in us. To will and to do of His good pleasure. God is inside of us now. We have peace with God. We've, we're like this with God. So He comes inside of us. He allows us to understand what His will for our lives is. And now He empowers us to do it. Hallelujah! That's His grace! Thank God for the peace of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So now we go to James. Look at James with me. Chapter 4. I'm trying to go fast, so bear with me. Verse 1. James 4, verse 1. We're all familiar with this. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Now, this is talking about arguments and quarrels and stuff like that. This isn't talking about bang, bang, nuclear war. <clears throat> Where do wars and fights come from you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? So watch. Doesn't this, doesn't this have everything to do with the passion that you have toward the things of this world? That's what this is talking about. Isn't this, isn't this talking about the passion that's in you in your members? Isn't this talking about that? Yes, it is. 
You lust and you don't have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. You're looking for things that will only serve you in this life. You're looking for things that will only fulfill the lusts of your own flesh. Amen? Adulterers and adulteresses, you're cheating on God. You see what he's saying? If that's you, if that's what you're living for, if that's your culture, you're cheating on me. Watch. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You no longer are at peace with God when you're doing that. It is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Yeah, but I don't understand, Tony. You just said, Jesus, you know, there's got to be peace. Uh, he's talked to me and he, he's instructed us as, as everything in your power to be at peace with all men. Yes, but not compromising to achieve that. Not compromising your Christian values. Not compromising what God has told you to do. Not fulfilling or seeking to fulfill the lusts of your own flesh so that you could feel good in that moment. Again, remember from last week, seeking that kind of comfort. Man, I've had such a stressful week this week. It has been so stressful. And usually, I mean, when I have stressful weeks, I mean, I might go home and have an extra bag of chips or something. You're laughing, but it's true. I don't chocolate chip ice cream, baby. There it goes. But but you understand, it's it's. I'm looking for comfort. Come on, can anybody relate to what I'm saying right now? Listen. So so you're so now some people do other things. Remember a little while ago I said some people are going to take the edge off. They're going to pop some wine. They're going to smoke a joint. They're going to do whatever. To, I got to take uh, whatever. What are the popular pills are that people take now to calm them down? I know they're out there because I got so many young people that are doing it. It's crushing. But my brothers and my sisters, listen. So for me, it's just as bad. I'm looking for comfort. I'm trying to take a temporary comfort in the flesh. So I'm going to overeat or I'm going to eat something that really pleases me. In that moment, that chocolate chip ice cream just calms everything right down. In this moment, I'm not thinking about all those fools I just left back there at work. Right now, I'm thinking about, boy, this is good. Right? I'm not even thinking about how much my waistline is. I'm thinking about, man, this is good. Come on. Watch a certain thing. How about this? Get on that little, get them thumbs a rolling. Start talking about all your problems. And then you'll have all of those people commiserating with you. Oh, yeah, he's a dirty no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. We're looking for that. Come on. Affirmation. Isn't that the same thing? Yes, yes of course it is. We're looking for some kind of comfort somewhere other than the comforter. Yes. Yes. See, we want peace. See, this true comfort cannot come from the world. It has to come from God. Romans 8, 6. Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. See, now watch. This word peace, as in most cases, and when we're going to go to John here in a minute, this word peace lines up, it's similar to the word shalom in the Hebrew. So this is talking about wellness, wholeness. It's not talking about lack of chaos or quietness and all that. Sometimes I need that. But this is not talking about that. This is talking about wellness, being one, whole, body, soul, spirit. Everything's copacetic. Calgon just took me away. <laughs> all the older people in the room said, Amen. Because <laughs> these young people have no idea what I just said. <laughs> We do know something you guys don't know. Just that. There you go. 
So, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life, the eternal life that God gives, not this short life that we're living here, this eternal life that God gives, and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is subject to, it, it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So watch. So now watch. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm in this culture, but, but I'm, I'm needing comfort, but I can't get comfort from the culture. Right? Because I already know that if I'm a born-again Christian, I'm, there's going to be divisions. Right? There's going to be stress. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be trouble. We already covered that the last week, right? There's going to be all this stuff. And then Jesus himself said, there's going to be, there's going to be problems in your own family because of your Christian walk, right? But, I, but I'm desiring peace. I need comfort. I, I don't want to compromise. I don't want to... But at the same time, how do I get this level of comforter? You've got to go to the comforter. And you can't have this peace, this wholeness. Remember, not the, not the absence of chaos, this peace that the Bible, that the Word of God is speaking to us, is speaking to this wholeness, this wellness, this thing that you're really after, but you don't know. Amen. You don't know you're after it. You're seeking something. I want to bring up something. Solomon. I, I was reading again this morning because I was thinking, Lord, you know, I, I, let me give him an example. I mean, what? But I, I, I don't know why, but Solomon. Solomon came to mind. Solomon, he, he gets the throne of his father, David, and David instructs him just before he dies. You follow the will of God. You follow God. You follow God. Am I right? Come on, somebody back me up. He's telling him, you follow God. Yes. And it'll be, well, if he promised me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But you've you got to follow God, right? And so God appears to Solomon. And God appears to Solomon and, and, and he says, okay, ask whatever you want and it's yours. And we know what happens. Solomon asks him for wisdom. This is a big job. I'm only a young man. This is a big job. There's a lot of people. They're your people. I need wisdom. I got to know how to do this. So God says, okay, because you've asked for that and you haven't asked for riches or wealth, I'm giving you both. Now I'm giving you a quick paraphrase here, right? I'm giving you both, all right? So he did. God followed through. Solomon, you know, built his house, built the house for God, and he did all of those marvelous and wonderful things. Mighty, you know, got rid of a couple enemies early on. But then what happened? He's the richest human being on earth, the wisest human being on earth. It's not enough. It's not enough. See, what was it? See, he didn't have that relationship with God that his father had. Did David mess up? But here's what David knew. Don't take your spirit from me. Renew a right spirit in me. David was an Old Testament character who had an understanding of the New Testament Jesus. Please, Lord, don't take, I've messed up. Don't take your spirit from me. I've sinned against you. You know, regardless of what anybody else thinks, this is a sin because it offends you. Come on. Solomon didn't have that. And so now Solomon is scratching itches, however you want to say it. Solomon is doing these things. Now he's, politically, he's doing some things. He's, he's marrying, you know, people from other countries, right? And so now he's got friends from Egypt. He married the, the, the woman from Egypt. He, he's got all of the, the, the queen. from. Yeah, I mean, he's got all of this wealth and all of this riches, and now he's got all of these wives. And so now in order to have all of his wives happy, what's he do? He starts setting up idols. All of the stuff that they, all of the cultural stuff that they brought with them, he starts bringing into Israel. 
Well, that guy got, well, see, he's got comfort, though. He's now, he, see, happy wife, happy life. And if you've got mm, hundreds of them, hey, <laughs> you got your work cut out for you. Come on. I, hey, hey, listen, to be honest. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. So, so, so watch. So Solomon is doing this thing to keep comfort and to keep things, I guess, square. Make him happy. Make them happy. Make him happy. Comfort. When the only thing that can truly be comfort and peace is the Lord, is God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now, the comforter. See, this is really what we need to have. The comforter, Holy Spirit. Amen? So look at me, uh, look with me on uh, John chapter 14, verse 15. After this, I'm going to blow a couple out there with you. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Amen. See that word, helper? I think in your uh, King James Bible it'll say, I think it says comforter. Um, but it comes from the word uh, parakletos. But that word literally does mean intercessor, advocate, consoler. Console, to comfort. To comfort. So that's what that word means. When it says that he, the spirit, you know, this spirit is going to come, your helper, it's talking about someone to console you, someone to comfort you, someone to help you. Right? So now, I, I, I love this. I need Him in order for comfort on this earth if I'm a born-again Christian. If I'm depending on anything or anyone else, if I'm trying to please everybody in my life, get, you know what? Man, I, 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 I've had a couple of... Uh, I'm going to confess to you, my brothers and sisters. I can't go to Dr. Phil. I'm going to go to y'all. It's been a week. It's been a week. And there have been things that have been just wall up all over me. And just one thing after the other at the, the other job. The, one thing right after the other. And then in the middle of this, piling on this problem, that problem, every time the phone rings, it's somebody else's problem that i got to solve. Amen. Some of you are laughing. I think you can relate. But I'm telling you, seriously, it was, it was so rotten. I mean, I walked out. I, another problem came to me. Man, and I just, I'm walking and I'm, bang, I hit the door with my hand. It hurt my hand. That's not Christian. But I mean, <gasps> I had one of those take me away moments. And boom. Then, on top of all that, I'm coming back. I've got, I've got to run. I've got to go pick up lunches for my guys. I've got a contractor out in the field. I've got all of this stuff. No different than you. Than anybody else. I've got all of these stuff. I've got a, somebody texting me. They got a problem out there. I got a contractor on the course. I got to see. Now I got a phone ringing. I get in my truck. I'm trying to do all this, and I backed into my car. So now I, I dented my truck. <laughs> my truck <laughs> didn't get better. Got worse. Man, I want to tell you something. If I wasn't at a certain point in my situation in this immediate, what I'm in the season that I'm in now, man, I would have, I would have, I wouldn't write the DQ right then. I wouldn't the Dairy Queen went then. That's it. I'm going to drown all my sorrows right now, and we ain't going back there. <laughs> I'm gonna let it burn. <laughs> but have you had those moments? Okay, so so listen. I'm in no way excusing myself. That was totally wrong. 
That was totally wrong. I let, but I need some peace. I need some peace. So what I should have done was get everybody, excuse everybody out of my office. Get out! <laughs> it's time for me to get a hold of God. Holy Spirit, I need you right now. And I ended up doing that, but a little bit too late. <laughs> it was after I hit the truck that, ha ha! I say, I, you understand what I'm, I'm trying to, is, can anybody relate to this? So I'm thinking, okay, I need, I need to reach out to the comforter right now. In this moment, I need some peace. I need things to, man, the kids are, everything's blowing up around you. The, the, the dinner's burning. The kids are running around with no clothes and everything's, the house is a mess. The husband's coming home. I need peace. Holy Spirit, give me peace. Will he hear you? Yes. Yes. In John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, that's, that's one of the keys. See, because my brothers and sisters, if we're seeking comfort from a spirit and it's not true, it's not 100% anchored in truth, you're not going to get it. It'll be that long. Come on. Come on. Come on. So look, he's the spirit of truth. And I don't always like the truth. Tony, you shouldn't have did that. I, I, feel, I still feel guilty about it. I, I've confessed it. Lord, I'm sorry. I messed up. It, but I still feel bad every time I think about it. Man, I, I hit that door. That was horrible. Right? So I feel bad. But that's what he does. He tells me the truth. Oh, no, you're okay. It's, it's going to be okay. No, no, you did wrong. You've got to fix that now. That's, that's showing something, Tony. There's still work. That needs to be done. Amen? So whom I will send you the spirit of truth, I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So look, when the spirit of truth, when I have Holy Spirit on me, in me, and when he's ministering to me, it's going to glorify Jesus somehow, some way. It's not going to glorify me. Come on. It's not going to, listen, it's not going to talk bad about somebody else. That's your problem. It's not going to do that. It's going to glorify Jesus somehow, some way. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. He, look, look, if we didn't need it, he wouldn't have sent it. And what he said was, I, I'm, not, I'm going to send you my spirit, right? I'm going to send you my spirit so you can all be preachers. No, nope. I'm going to send you my spirit so that you can all lay hands on the sick and have them recover. No. I'm going to send you the spirit. I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you the consoler. I'm going to send you the comforter. You all need that. Amen? Amen? We all need that. Hallelujah. John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. You want, that's the true test of the Holy Spirit. It has to glorify Jesus. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So my brothers and sisters, look, there's so much good teaching there as far as Jesus is God. Everything. He's got all the authority. Everything is his. It's not... He's God. I mean, you've got to, you, we can't believe anything else. If you believe anything else, then you're not saved. He's God in the flesh. You've got to know that. You've got to understand it. 
All right? Okay, so now look at John 14. We're going back to John 14. These things, in verse 25, 14:25. I'm going to pause here a minute, even though it's on the board. Write it down. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. Do you see that? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let, your heart be, let your, not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. So look, hear what he's saying? I'm, I'm going to leave peace with you. I'm sending you the comforter. I'm giving you peace, but not the peace the world gives. Not what the world gives. See, look at all this peace, all this wholeness, all this comfort that we're looking to from the world or from the things that we've idolized in our own minds. Excuse me. These things that we've idolized in our own minds. These things that we set our hearts upon. If I could just have that, I'll feel so much better. If I could just have that, everything will be right. No, these things that we set our hearts and minds on, no. The things that are of the world, no. What he's saying is, I'm going to give you true peace. I'm going to give you a peace that you can't even imagine. Look at Philippians with me. Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Watch this. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What does that mean? Let your, in, in the King James, New King James, let your moderation. Have your wits about you. Don't be like Tony. Are, are you there? Don't, let, don't, don't be an emotional wreck. Don't let this situation, that situation, all of these situations just blow your mind, make you move, seek comfort, seek peace in other places. Be reasonable. Have some, have some moderation. Have some control. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Watch. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So look, I want comfort. I want the comforter. The comforter is going to bring me peace, even in the middle of these bad situations. Listen, all of this, let my, let my moderation be known. My moderation is coming by Holy Spirit. All of these things that I have, I have from Him. I'm empowered by Him. It's His grace. Amen? I just have to, listen, I just have to get off of this thing where my mind, my lust, my, if I can do this, this will be better. If I can have that, that will bring me comfort. If I could have this relationship, if, if this person would care for me, if that person would care for me, if this other person would give me this kind of affirmation, if I would get affirmation from my boss, if I could get this kind of, everything will be fine. If, you know, if, the kid, if the kids finally straighten out, everything is going to be okay. If this finally happens, you know, I'll finally have peace. No. No, that's all temporal stuff. That's all temporal. Your peace, my peace, our well-being, the peace that comes from God, the, the irene, the, the, the shalom in the Hebrew, that comes from God and God alone. And that's eternal. And that supersedes all of this other stuff. Amen? Stand with me, please. Hey. I wonder, did this minister to anybody besides me? Amen? Amen. Amen. So now, listen. 
if you know that you've blown it, you know, you let it get to you, you made a bad decision, you said some things, you did some things, right? Confess it, put it under the blood. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. That's done. It's over. So don't let that come back and haunt you. What you need to do is right here, right now, receive His peace. Amen. Receive His peace. Amen? Amen? Now, if that's not you, if you, if you haven't had a, you've not blown up or it's not anything, then pray for us. Pray for those of us who are under the gun. Or how about this? You have a husband, you have a wife, you have a child who's right in the middle of it. And you know that this message can mean so much to them. Pray for them. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, Father, here we are. Thank you for your word. But thank you so much, Lord, that you've made all of these blessings available to us, your children, for no other reason other than you love us. So, Lord, keep us in your love. Help us, Lord. Strengthen us and empower us to do what you've told us to do. And Lord, help us, bless us. We desire, I think there are many people under the sound of my voice right now, and I know I'm one of them, that would wants to have this peace that surpasses understanding. This peace that I can't even imagine. Lord, we've dealt with so much and we continue to deal with so much in this culture and in this society. But Lord, you've already beaten it. You've already given us victory over it, Lord. So help us to realize that in the days ahead. And Lord, when we forget, Holy Spirit, would you please come beside? Would you please comfort us and give us peace? Lord, in the middle of this bad, of those bad situations, Holy Spirit, we give you permission. We're begging you, Holy Spirit, in the middle of those bad situations, would you please remind us of this message that you've given us? that we will call upon you for comfort and strength and not rely on any compromise or any comfort from the world. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. And Lord, I would venture to say that either in this room or watching or listening, there may be someone who has no idea whether they're saved. They don't know, Lord, if you split the sky, whether they'd be raptured or not. Lord, they can know. They can know. So, Lord, I pray if there's anyone under the sound of my voice now that's in that condition, Father, that you would knock on the door of their heart. Jesus, Jesus, that they would come to know you, that they would give their lives up to you, become born again, be heaven-bound. If that's you, if you really want to know Jesus, it's not hard. He died for you, spilled all of his blood, that you would be forgiven and reconciled back to God, that you could have this peace that passes understanding, regardless of what the culture's doing. If that's you, just go to Him now. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And you are the only one who could save me. So I acknowledge right now, Lord, that I need your blood to wash away my sin. And I need you to strengthen me in my inner man. I need you to take my life that I could have eternal life. Be the Lord of my life. Amen? Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, then you are born again. Read the Gospel of John. Dig into it. Ask God to help you. And I dare you not to grow. If you have a sincere heart and you read that gospel and you're asking God to reveal His truth to you, you will grow. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen.